Canadian Southern accent? I think. I do declare. I this. think it's necessary <laughs> to talk in a Southern accent for this episode. The podcast is like an onion, seemingly layered at first, but on closer inspection, it's really quite stupid. <laughs> I am ready for this episode of Glass Onion. You really lean into it there. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I could never do what what Daniel Craig is doing. It just takes a little acting. <laughs> what are we doing today, Gabe? Today, we- Steven. Yeah. We're doing a podcast Ooh. on a film. Yes. <laughs> Produced by yep. Netflix yep. and released for a limited time only in, in theaters. theaters. It's called The Glass Onion. Onion. It's the latest... Knives, Knives Out, Out story, story from Ryan, from Ryan Johnson, Johnson, which is, I think, two in a series of how many? Four, three. Did Did Netflix buy three after? I thought I thought it was three in total, including Knives Out. But was I? But Knives Out. It'd be cool if it was four. Knives Out. Was to be Netflix, honest, it'd be cool it? if it was seven. I would love these movies to just go. They should do a whole another Bond run. You know, <laughs> just do six of them. I feel like they'll make a few more. These seem to be wildly successful, and they're good. They're a lot of fun. And I think I think the cast also, yeah, had like I feel like you could have an endless ensemble cast join these films and just have these insane characters that they can come in and just all mess around with each other and you know and and what actor wouldn't want to be a part of that you know it's like a random character you get to come in and play kind of like you know like Brad Pitt in Bullet Train like mm-hmm. like you could have any actor. You, especially with a draw being like Ryan Johnson, you can have any actor come in and just, it's like an endless amount of stories because Ryan Johnson loves doing like, he loves mystery novels and that's what these are based off of. His passion really comes out oh, yeah. <laughs> in these yeah. movies. I mean, his first movie was brick, mm-hmm. which was essentially like his own style of like mystery noir with it. He had, he like invented his own language for that movie. Have you seen brick? I like brick a lot. Yeah. It's really good. And, then he, you know, got away from that a little bit and he like re-entered that kind of love for mystery kind of noir cinema with Knives Out. It's not as much noir as it is, you know, mystery, but um, yeah, really, really great. He attributes these films to like his love for Agatha Christie novels and as different the, as those novels are to each other, these movies are different and that's why they have different titles The Knives Out is the knives out and then the glass onion is the glass onion i wonder if he'll keep going with song titles knives out was a radiohead track yeah. Glass onions beatles yeah probably so going through classic music like glass that. onion okay we're talking about glass onion yeah uh i it? think the question on everybody's mind is the glass onion as good as a knives out mm-hmm. was because knives out was really good knives out was really good knives out had Freaking Christopher Plummer, yeah, who I watch all the time. He's because with passed my away, right? yeah, with my daughters, yeah, we we uh, we did a shout out to Christopher Plummer in one of the episodes. Shout out, Chris, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Rest no, I peace. no, but he. I watch him all the time with my daughters. Uh, we watch Santa Music often in, in my house, so I feel like I'm always looking at Christopher Plummer's face and hearing him sing Edelweiss. But man, he's such a wonderful person. And I'm so honestly, as I can't even call myself a filmmaker, really, compared to Ryan Johnson. 
But I, I do have this like sort of bitter jealousy because we were we went to the same high school where I feel like a, a really strange rivalry with him. He was like almost a generation before you, though. <laughs> yeah, he was. No, no, yeah. But like he named his production company like T Street, which is what we call one of our beaches in San Clemente oh, that we yeah. go to. And so he's very local, and I feel like a sort of just like a, a little bit of bitter rivalry with him. I'm sure a lot of people that went to film school from San Clemente feel the same way. <laughs> but um, I'm jealous <laughs> that he got to work with Christopher Plummer, and now nobody can work with him anymore because he, he's not around. Yeah, he made a Star Wars movie. <laughs> he did that, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He made probably the best Star Wars movie out of the new trilogy of Disney. Yeah, Star that Wars. is, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> Or yeah. the worst. <laughs> uh, if you really like Chris Plummer, you, you should watch um, Beginners. Have you ever seen Beginners? No. That's a great little flick with Ewan McGregor. Anyway, Ryan I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, so so is The Glass Onion as good as A Knives Out, in your opinion? In my opinion? Let's start there, and then we'll go me. and talk about it. I think, in many ways, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think that. I don't know if I like it more. Yeah. Um. I like it just as much as A Knives Out as far as enjoyability. I like A Knives Out more for the story. I like Glass Onion story a little bit less. But the enjoyability, the enjoyableness, what was the word there? The amount that you can enjoy from watching these <laughs> films yeah. is the same. I think I would agree. And I also liked how this one ended more because it was satisfying emotionally but not as satisfying for what it means for the characters uh, as it did in A Knives Out. So, right. I I did like, and but I liked the ambiguity of this one more. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Uh, it left it in a place where it wasn't perfect closure, but those in question got their comeuppance in a way. You know, there there were there was a resolution. <laughs> I'm trying to be vague. Yeah. Are we gonna go full spoilers? <laughs> Uh, we can go full spoilers now. Yeah. You want to talk about the cast really quick? Yeah. The ensemble this time around. The ensemble. We had back at the center of the onion. (laughs) Daniel Craig. Yeah. (laughs) Playing his character from Knives Out, Benoit Blanc, the world's preeminent (laughs) Agatha Christie style detective. So good. He's in this world, apparently world renowned. Like everybody knows Benoit. Yeah. And an average passerby yeah. is familiar with Benoit Blanc. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's in there. And to fill out the ensemble, we have Edward Norton as Miles Braun, the uh, topical billionaire mm-hmm. who the plot revolves around. We have mm-hmm. Kate Hudson as Bertie J, Dave Bautista as Duke Cody, Janelle Monet as Helen uh, Brand and Andy Brand. She plays twins. Mm-hmm. Catherine Hahn as Claire DeBella. Leslie Odom Jr. back at it again with Lionel Toussaint. That was, he was really great. Jessica Henwick plays Peg. Madeline Klein, Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie Hoffman had a small part as Dave Bautista's mom. <laughs> Noah Segan, who is kind of like uh, Ryan Johnson's muse, he plays a bit part in all of his films. He played Daryl, the island recluse. <laughs> We also had a couple other small parts. Ethan Hawke played. Yep. He's credited as the efficient man. Yeah. <laughs> he he, he gave, came and gave he gave vaccines to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, Hugh Grant played Philip, 
who is either Benoit's roommate, lover, or, or roommate, yeah. or butler. He's one of those. Okay. Butler. <laughs> we also had cameos from Stephen Sondheim, Natasha Leone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We got everybody. Serena Williams, Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, I forgot about the Serena Williams thing. And that's about it. That's funny. I think. Yeah. Oh, and Jorson, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the hourly dong. Yeah, he was the hourly dong. 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 So, okay. All right. Glass Onion uh, did lean into COVID and the pandemic. And that was interesting. I did not expect that. And I'm glad they touched on it and then moved past it. And they mentioned it maybe two or three more times throughout the film. As, well, it, because cause they kept going around. They, they kind of jumped timeline a little bit. Yeah. That they mentioned it a few times. But there were a few good bits and gags in the first 20 minutes because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I don't mind it. There are. There I are didn't times. expect it because I I think of these films as being a little bit like out of time, like kind of timeless. Yeah. And the fact that he leaned into the pandemic and and confronted it head on as as a plot point was like a little bit jarring for me. But well, in in Glass Onion did that in several ways, not just with COVID, but it. And I don't remember this so much with Knives Out because it was more of an insular story, like a mansion murder mystery yeah yeah. but glass onion plays a lot with not just social commentary in in several respects i feel like it's very i i use the word topical when i said miles braun because this whole story i feel like is born from our modern what would you call it like social yeah um, commentary yeah like the social uh epoch the the, the place that we find ourselves in right now the the techno social political epic. Yeah. I think is what how you pronounce it that we're in now. And so Miles Braun, for instance, is like a, a uh, an analogy for Elon Musk, that sort of thing. Yeah. So th- this whole story was born from that, I think. And so COVID plays really well naturally into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I will say about this movie is for about the first 45 minutes, like I'll, I'll call it the first half, which it was, a, it's like a two and a half hour film. Um, but for the first half-ish, up until when they reveal that Janelle Monáe's character is a twin, the first half felt really strange because it was really satirical and comedic. And I didn't like what they were doing with Daniel Craig's character, with uh, Benoit Blanc's character. But that, because he seemed a lot more goofy and like aloof than he did in A Knives Out, where he was extremely intelligent and able to like discover uncover a mystery like composing a symphony almost and when they finally reveal that he's been sort of pulling the strings the whole time and he's been in on it with the Janelle Monet twin the whole time and they reveal that he's actually kind of in control and he knows what's happening I was like oh, okay this is the knives out that I wanted yeah. and I was able to enjoy the film a lot more after that point but up until that point when she gets shot and does the whole Jared Leto hot sauce blood thing jeremy renner oh was it jeremy renner jared leto oh, jared leto had the kombucha okay <laughs> sorry yeah good pull but yeah up until that point i was i was a little bit lost and then i it found its footing and i was able to enjoy it a lot more but you know that's ryan johnson he's subversive and he's really intelligent and he subversed me yeah i was subversed yeah Twice. I was like, I was like, this is not the character that I knew from *A Knives Out*. He was a lot more intelligent than that. And then he was being all coy, like, "What? I find myself here on this here island, and this is really fun, and this kombucha tastes weird." And and then you know he was just like kind of dicking around the whole time. Yeah. 
But then it reveals that he knew everything the whole time and he's been doing detective work the whole time. It's fun watching it back knowing that. I, yeah. I went to see it a second time. Oh, you did? And it really adds more flavor yeah, and context sure. to the whole first for sure. act. Yeah. What did you think of Dave Batista in this movie? Oh, so yeah, all of our characters play uh, stereotypes or caricatures of, you know, not just classic roles from mystery and uh, but also they're also ripped from our own social epic as we're now calling it in this podcast (laughs) uh and dave bautista is a very niche kind of character he is a twitch streamer or he's like a live streamer that blew up on twitch for uh, for a few different reasons and he's the space he's dominating is uh like the alt-right slash incel zone where he's selling like either they were testosterone or straight yeah. up boner pills online yeah. to young, yeah. impressionable men or yeah. boys, youth. Yeah. Yeah. And just to hear the word Twitch, like as a platform name dropped yeah. in the movie, was pretty surreal. That was weird. <laughs> as someone who spends a lot of time in that space in the real world, <laughs> and but it's a pretty hilarious angle, I think, especially for someone like Dave Bautista, who is such an amazing character actor, mm-hmm. and I really bought him as this kind of you know idiot yeah character he's been in a lot of stuff i feel like guardians really put him on the map and then he was in 2049 and yeah he's in this and he he's just been doing so many things i feel i feel like he's really he's got a good agent or like people he's just like a desired actor i don't know but yeah he's exploring depths that are are, i wish our man dwayne the rock johnson would really get to instead of just doing the same for sure bit every movie and every time i see him He's doing something a little bit different. Yeah. Like in Blade Runner, he, he has Morton's. this kind of uh, intensity mm-hmm. where I really buy that he is that person. And it's he's not just some like meathead jock, you know, yeah. he's he's there's actually a lot of depth behind uh, him as an actor. Yeah. They even gave him his own short film. Uh, yeah. For Blade Runner 2049. They, they did? Uh, yeah. Ridley Scott's son. There were three shorts, I think. Oh, I didn't know that, that. released. It was either before or after the film, and Sapper Morton had his own backstory flushed out in a five to ten minute short directed by Luke Scott. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, but it's 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 whatever. You get everything you need in that in that one scene. Yeah. In the in the film. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, there's an intensity, but there's also a vulnerability there. Yeah. And you have you have moments of that in Glass Onion where Dave Bautista kind of boils the the caricature down into something almost sinister. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because all these characters are complex in the film and they all have a darkness to them that is really explored later on Yeah, as you come to unravel the web and peel back the onion and see all their ties to mm-hmm. the Miles Braun character. What did you think of Kate Hudson and seeing her in a while? She's great. Yeah. I've never been a super fan of Kate. Um, I thought the character she played was really fun. Yeah, her character. She did a good job playing it. Her character, Birdie J. It reminded me of Almost Famous a lot yeah she's kind of like one of those proto influencers yeah the millennials that that became iconic like fashionistas and models and i thought katherine hahn was really underutilized here like seeing her chew the scenery in wandavision and then coming to a role like this i feel like she just i feel like her talent wasn't used as much you know yeah what i well here's the rub with an ensemble is you can only give so much time to every person and i this story at the core of it was three characters' stories. It was Benoit. Yeah. It was Norton's Braun. Yeah. And it was Janelle, Janelle Monet. Yeah. And so, as much as I also wish we had more Catherine Hahn, yeah. I think she did great with what she had. Well, 
And uh, I think like I wasn't really left like begging you, for you, more. You see Dave Batista shine. You you saw I can't remember her name, but the girl who played whiskey. She I feel like she shined. That's you, true. Kate Hudson shined, and but like I feel like I don't know. Catherine Hahn just kind of got cast aside a little bit. I you know I think you're 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 right there. I, she, like her, I just feel like of... all I'm saying is I feel like the talent that they're basing a whole nother Disney Plus series around for the Agatha series. I just was not used here. She, she she just played a politician. She was my favorite of the secondary characters, even in this film. Yeah, she she was great. And uh, lastly, what did you think of Edward Norton? I think he was perfectly cast. <laughs> okay. I think he was great. Edward Norton, maybe this is just his real life bleeding into his work, what we know about him Yeah. in a way. Yeah. I think this was perfect for him to play this kind of character. Or mm. I don't know. It worked really well for me, so... I'm happy with it. And I think he's a great actor anyway. So, yeah, because he is an, it is, it is revealed that he is an idiot, <laughs> but he's also this kind of conniving. He's a pseudo duplicitous character. He's a pseudo intellect. Yeah. And I loved that portrayal um, because there are so many of those nowadays. Yeah. Uh, That's pe- what I'm people, saying. people who prop themselves up <laughs> or sorry, people who prop themselves up and like in the social network, um, Jesse Eisenberg's character, um, fucking Mark Zuckerberg. He talks about how like these people will just want to make themselves tall. And I feel like that's what our world is often full of today. Just people who want to call themselves tall mm-hmm. and, and stand on the shoulders of giants. And I feel like that's exactly what the Edward Norton character was doing in this movie, which provided its own social commentary that I really liked about this movie. But yeah, it's hitting perfectly. And I don't know if, just how much Ryan was planning on this being so perfect for our time. And uh, in light of recent events, everything with Elon Musk on Twitter from Kanye's mental breakdown, I feel like this couldn't have hit better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. And Craig has a great line that sums up one of the themes there pretty well. He says to Kate Hudson's character, it's a dangerous thing to confuse um, mm-hmm. speaking the truth to speaking without thought or something like yeah. that. And that's, that is definitely, uh, one of the takeaways mm-hmm. from the story. <laughs> 100%. I think it's also really fun to watch Ryan Johnson, who I consider an actual intellectual right characters and, and kind of poke fun at characters that are pseudo intellectuals. <laughs> yeah. I've always been a Ryan fan. Um, and I, Same. I don't know much about him. To, to the point where I'd call him an intellectual, but as far as a filmmaker goes, he definitely knows what he's doing. He used his tools at his disposal here, even in COVID, very well. The whole of the island was mm-hmm. a great set piece and yeah, got to explore a lot of interesting ideas and physical space. Totally. Yeah. I also liked the score. Do you know who that was? Yes. I, re- I liked the music a lot. Who I think in A Knives Out it was his cousin who he had worked with a lot all the way from Brick and Looper and um, obviously not Star Wars because that was John Williams. But I think his cousin also did the score for A Knives Out if I'm not mistaken. But it was somebody different. Nathan Johnson. Oh, it was Nathan Johnson. Yeah. Seems like he's worked on all of Ryan's movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's his cousin. Cool. Who's also from San Clemente. Yeah, there was a great theme that was almost, what's the word, Bondian? Like Bond? Yeah. In, in this film like bond <laughs> it was bond-esque bondian it was bondage <laughs> that's really funny but we'll hear something right now from 
Nathan Johnson's score. Yeah. 